Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative and resident business coach here. And today's episode, I think you're going to really enjoy. I know that I loved this conversation and I could have made it go on for hours and hours, but was respectful of Sandra's time. I was so lucky to meet Sandra and to sit down with her and have this conversation about her business, which is the Good On You app. And Sandra is one of the co-founders of this app and online platform that is dedicated to rating, reviewing and producing articles and content on the ethicalness and sustainability behind the fashion industry. I love so much about this conversation and how they've built this platform out. They started about five years ago and saw the need. So Sandra talks really clearly and gives some really great advice about when you're concepting an idea, how do you test it? How do you bootstrap it? How do you fund it? And the power of meeting a genuine need for consumers and what that can do for your marketing strategy. So lots of really great advice in there. Also, for those of you who might be looking to start an app, she shares how they funded that, how they tested it and how they got it in in the marketplace and started attracting users and then eventually what they had to do to monetize that and find out some income streams um, which they could obviously sustain the business with. But there's some incredible advice in here. Sandra has had amazing wins in the business from attracting Emma Watson as their brand ambassador and somebody that she now works alongside, which is incredibly inspiring. So she shares how that came about. And they've also just kicking goals in the world of influencing consumers and helping them to make more informed decisions, which for me is I'm really proud to be able to share this information and also to start consuming especially in the fashion world, but across all aspects of my life in a more ethical and sustainable way. I don't know if you guys have watched the new David Attenborough movie, but I definitely left that movie thinking, how can I do more with my business? And as a part of that initiative and some conversations that I've been having with other founders of businesses have decided that I have a platform and and let's start showcasing more ethical and sustainable brands and informing myself and also us as a community as to how we can have more impact um, or positive impact on the planet. So Good On You is a really great place to start. I've downloaded the app and I'm having a bit of a look around. They have more than 700,000 people across the world using the app monthly They've got 80-plus global retailers on there. They work alongside brands like Farfetch and Afterpay, Afterpay who are starting to create more ethical options and showcase more ethical brands. And, yeah, I think it's a, a really inspiring conversation around seeing the trend change to sustainability and Good On You is playing a really big part in helping that to be easy for us to do and to get on board with. So lots of great advice in here from building apps, funding the business, scaling, growing, marketing, all the things. Enjoy the conversation, guys. I look forward to hearing what you think. Hi, and welcome to the podcast, Sandra. Thanks so much for having me, Kay. I'm so excited for this conversation. I think it's going to be lots of great juicy details and an incredible business story in itself, but also very educational for our audience. So yeah, excited to dive in and and pull out all of your expertise for everybody listening. Thank you. Me too. And thanks for creating the space for this conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't, you probably have seen it, but even after watching the new David Annenborough movie, it like it just left me with this deep sense of like, what can I do? And I was actually had dinner with Sophie from Seed and Sprout, and she was um, we were having the conversation about like, what more can we do? And 
she was uh, like, if, if you've got a platform, you've got to use it. So I think for me, it was like that, okay, what's something instantly that I can start to do that's going to have, you know, more impact. And obviously Startup Creative is an educational resource. So I'm excited to have you as an expert in the sustainable space today and really give it to us straight around you know, what we should be doing with as consumers, but even as business owners starting brands or, you know, working alongside other brands and, yeah, dive into that. Yeah, well, we're all about helping people realise that, um, you know, it's overwhelming, but there's definitely something we can all do. We all have a role to play in creating a sustainable future. It's that simple. Mm. It is. And it's, I think it's been really like one of my first um, magazines, we, you know, featured thank you water and who gives a crap. And, you know, over the years, just sustain it more sustainable brands. And I remember like it just clicked and it made so much sense to me of if people like the social enterprise model around, if everybody needs to buy toilet paper, why not give them an option to buy toilet paper that's going to have an impact and, yeah. you know, that, you know, that for me, conversation was five years ago. And I think I remember being like, oh, wow, like they really, it was, they were entering the changing behavior, right. And like trying to influence people's buying decisions and take them, taking them away from brands that they would, you know, have always used and maybe their parents have used and, um, you know, that you kind of just go for a cheap option with, but yeah, it was, it was kind of new to the market then of, and now it feels like um, it's becoming more and more normal. Thankfully, um, yeah, I mean, there were really pioneering brands here in Australia, that whole concept of social enterprise, but they did so well because people actually do want to back brands and businesses doing good. They, they just need it to be easy and, and obvious and, you know, things like water and personal care products and, and toilet paper are, are making it easy for people. Yeah, and it is interesting. Like it, it's in it's heartening, I guess, in a way to know that once given the option, people will make a good choice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is why we're gonna we're gonna chat about the business that you've created and how you can help us make these better choices. But do you want to? <laughs> we kind of dived into it already. But introduce yourself, your business, and what you do, and how it came about. Okay, um, well, I'm Santa Capone, one of two co-founders of Good On You. Um, we are a brand ratings app for fashion that helps shoppers with the impact of their choices and um, choose better, choose brands that do good by people, the planet and animals. We started in Australia back in 2015. Um, because of all of this we're already talking about, we, we realised there was a trend of more and more people wanting to shop sustainably, wanting to do something, but just finding it too hard to know where to start. Um, the issues in fashion especially are really complex when it comes to sustainability. There's so much conflicting information. Um, and sadly, fashion is well known for being one of the most polluting and excessive industries in the world. Um, so our solution was to create a simple and effective way for people to know the impact of brands on the things they care about um, and to access brand ratings through a fun accessible tool the good on you app um, but at our core be powered by a really robust comprehensive rating system which delves into all of these complex issues in sustainability to help people make better choices Mm, it's so amazing and you know in the last five years you've grown this big following on social media you're working alongside some really amazing brands you've got emma watson as a ambassador endorsing you guys you're working with the un like it's incredible what you've created and made for people to this to be easier for us congratulations yeah, we feel, thank you we feel really for, fortunate for all the support we, we get. I mean, people are contacting us every day saying how much they love what we do and they're offering um, advocacy and their time, um, their expertise, um, but, you know, just their words of thanks means so much too. And I think that goes to the heart of, of just how much 
um, people do care but, but want to do the right thing and um, and do that as part of a, a bigger movement for change. Um, mm. People like to feel that their choices do matter and, and they especially do when there's lots of us making um, choices that can actually shift business practice and shift entire industries to be more sustainable and fair. Mm. And we will dive into that because I really do want to get your tips on what's actually happening in the fashion industry and how we can, you know, as as brands, um, you know, contribute in a good way if we are going to contribute with a new brand. But <clears throat> I'm really interested as well. Like there's, I feel like this could be two episodes, but your startup mm-hmm. story around this and like where the idea came from, like obviously you saw the need for that, but um, yeah, what, what were some of the initial steps you took in terms of being like, hey, there's this need? Did you know that it would yeah. grow to this extent? And yeah, how did you? Did you start out with an app or was it a web? I've got so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, so many things happened, I guess, to get to this point. I worked for many years in business, in big bad corporate sector I, w- I was in banking um, for some time but working um, behind the scenes in supply chains and I became really interested in sustainability in supply chains and how if big businesses could spend money on positive things then that could actually have a really positive impact on the environment and on society um, but at the other end of the scale when businesses spend money on bad things that you know is destructive and exploitative and something that we should change and and get businesses to take accountability for um Mm. and i eventually worked in in csr and corporate social responsibility um basically driving big businesses to take accountability for for their social and environmental impact and um, it, was, it was actually a, a great time in my career. I, I was able to work in big teams and get access to lots of resources to implement um, cool initiatives, everything from um, gender equality programs in, in big business to um, making sure that um, all relationships with suppliers was was built around a code of conduct and around sustainability metrics and indicators. Um, I got to work on Indigenous community engagement initiatives um, and reducing the environmental footprint. It was fun, but I became over time a little bit jaded and a little Mm -hmm. bit frustrated by just how slow change was, even in such big companies where there was loads of money and, and people to move things forward there was still a reluctance um, to accept these things as important in the business context Mm. and that you know just annoyed the hell out of me Um, I think that yeah I can totally relate to that like I people I'm sure have heard my story around um, leaving the corporate world because of that exact thing and it's it's so disheartening but also you know the the reason why entrepreneurship exists and does so well and like when somebody cares enough to back it like you can move so fast yeah yes yes yeah. and I love I mean it, the pace of change is, is sometimes mind-boggling in a small organization and you're trying to do a million things at once but at least it's moving and at least you can make decisions every day that actually have an impact that change things um so yeah I was in this situation, and I actually got really lucky in, in meeting my co-founder, Gordon Renouf, who um, was basically already working on, on the early concepts of Good On You. He had been researching the fact that more and more consumers wanted to shop more sustainably, more ethically, more values-based, um, but that that information was just completely missing from the market or was too confusing to understand. And he thought a, a brand rating system and some easy way to access brand ratings could be a, a great way to empower shoppers and shift industry change. And that whole concept just instantly um, resonated with me. I, you know, had alarm bells going off in my head and I just knew that um, 
it kind of brought together what, what I knew about business behaviour and, and what I thought could truly shift business behaviour in, in a long-term and meaningful way was consumer demand. And, mm. um, and I also just really identified myself personally as your typical conscious shopper who spent way too much time researching every choice and every thing that I bought, especially clothes, um, and the idea of good on you was solving a, a real problem for me. Mm. I mean, so important when I, I hear it over and over again is, is there's so many successful businesses who the founders start out as the target market because they're so yeah. well connected to the problem that they, yeah, it's easier to find the solution. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, so you had was... this concept and then where where was the idea at when you came in and then, yeah, where, how, what was the next steps in growing it? So Gordon had um, ran a crowdfunding campaign in Australia to get the idea off the ground and had just um, launched the the first version of Good On You and I came on board to um, help us take Good On You to the rest of the world. Um, That was over four years ago now. How much did he crowdfund? 20,000 Australian. Wow, that's not much to start with. Yeah. Um, we also, I mean, got Gordon bootstrapped in, in the early days as well. And um, when I came on board, we straight away ran another crowdfunding campaign to take us to the next stage. And, and that was um, targeting the North American audience. Um, yeah. And was this so, to build the app? It was to build... Um, yes, the app, but also the the rating system, which is our core technology that powers the app. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's no point in having a, a pretty thing on, on the mobile that people can download and use if it's not full of ratings information about lots and lots of brands mm. um, because, I mean, we all like different things, Um I guess one of the things we've always focused on at Good On You is that there's no point in just giving people a list of the top 50 worst or top 50 best brands, that mm. when we shop we want to consider so many different factors and sustainability is one of those factors. So being able to give sustainability information about lots and lots of brands in the context of all the other stuff we think about when we shop from price to location and style, of course, when it comes to fashion. Mm-hmm. Bringing all of this information together in the one place is what's going to be really valuable for people. Um, so, yeah, it's an app mm-hmm. on the surface, but behind the scenes it's it's information, collecting information in, in, a, um, in an effective way that mm-hmm. gives all of that back in, an, in a simple, accessible way for people to make. And I think, yeah, it's also it's such a smart decision in business move because, you know, obviously a trend that you guys picked up early on as well, which is obviously more, um, you know, common now or more conscious of it, but the, like, user-generated um, advice and tips and, you know, how vital reviews and ratings and, you know, brands have really had to, you know, step up their game in terms of, consumers can have a voice you know we have we have such a strong voice and such a valid voice in our ratings and reviews and how we what we're looking at and what you know so many information out there now that yeah brands can't hide (laughs) yeah and at the time it was pretty common for brands to be almost silent on their sustainability practices um, especially in fashion and you know, fast forward to today, almost every brand is saying at least something. And for the most part, that's great. Um, it, it does mean that there's also a lot of spin and greenwashing in the mix and it's becoming even more confusing for shoppers to know what is truth or what's just straight up marketing. Um, mm. But, yeah, the fact that brands are, are actually facing into the fact that people care and that they're talking about what they're doing is is such a big change just in the last mm. few years. 
Yeah. And so let's talk about the the rating system that you have built in, because I think not only is it good for us as consumers to know, but also for anyone who might be looking to start a brand or maybe tweak their existing brand to make sure that they are on par with, you know, what is good for our environment and our future of our planet. Yep. Well, um, broadly, our ratings consider three key areas or things that um, a brand should be looking at because consumers care about these things and because they're significant or material when it comes to the fashion industry's impact more generally. Um, And that is a brand impact on people, planet, animals. Um, Within those three areas, we look at hundreds of sustainability issues and indicators from brands, resource use, energy use, chemicals and water use, um, to how they're tracing suppliers and treating their workers, ensuring payment of a living wage um, at their headquarters but all the way um, down the supply chain as well, Um, and also how they're protecting the welfare of animals. Um, Our technology that I was talking about before is looking for public information, um, including what a, what a brand is reporting themselves, but also there's um, so many standards and certifications and industry benchmarks that are indicators of how a brand is addressing these important issues. So our rating system is bringing all of that information together and assessing and scoring it to arrive at a rating from one to five on a brand's impact. Mm. Amazing. It's such smart technology. <laughs> it's, an, it's been an evolution. I mean, you know, I'm sure you can imagine um, and many people out there can imagine what it was like in the early days in, in the startup world. You have to um, be resourceful and we were using um, volunteers and Google spreadsheets and a lot of desktop research. Um, but over time we've, yeah, tried to develop a tech that's much, much smarter, much more automated, but there's still a way to go. Mm. Actually, I'm so glad that you said that because I often get people ask me about starting apps and, you know, it can be such a big expense and, you know, it's a, it's a lot of hard work and moving pieces. Yeah. And I think the advice that I always give, so I'm glad that I'm on point here, is go and test it manually, like figure out how to, you know, just get some clients and do it in the most manual way that you can. And once you've validated the process and that people actually would use it, then go and invest and build in automating it through an app. Totally. And there's still um, so many things that we want to do to improve the app and the back-end technology. And we're always talking to the people that that use it around what, you know, what they want to see, what are the improvements that are most important to them because we still have to prioritize we can't we can't do everything we want to do or that you know deliver on that big vision just yet we're not we're not there yet Mm, yeah and I mean I think that's the the beauty of being in business is like get in claim the space get started you know do something stay connected to your target market and what their needs are and then evolve as you go. Like so many people, I think, get stuck in that perfectionist of like, we can't enter the marketplace until we can do all of these fabulous things. But then you end up missing the, the ball. Absolutely. And the best way to get feedback is to, to launch, to get something out there and to see how people react. Yeah, I mean, I just wrote a whole book on this. It's pretty much the summary of the book, guys. <laughs> I still go by the book. Um, um, so interesting in, in to hear, um, did, you, did you have the vision, obviously, to monetize from, like, did you already have that monetizing or did it come out as a, you know, we just need this to exist? And, um, yeah. Did you have your Did you have your monetizing built in from the beginning, or has that been an evolution? It, it wasn't built in from the beginning, but we did always. It wasn't built in in that we didn't know how we were going to make money necessarily, but we did always set out to be a for profit organization as opposed to a non profit because we want to build something that's financially sustainable, so that we can tackle this massive social and environmental problem. 
that we're trying to take on. Um, so, you know, a non-profit organisation obviously has its strengths around independence and governance and being able to be 100% focused on, on social impact, but it has its challenges around fundraising and being reliant on on third parties all the time to get to the next stage of growth and impact. So, yeah, we, um, we see business as an important vehicle for change and um, and capital being an important vehicle for change and um, building something that's successful from an economic standpoint is not a bad thing in, in this context. Um, mm. A key driver for us, yeah, so solving a, a, a social impact problem. Mm. And I think, you know, that's... <clears throat> It's, it's admirable because it means that you guys can be sustainable and have big impact as well. And I think, you know, I'm interested if you're open to sharing some of your monetizing strategies that you have built in and then and how you've, like, I think we chatted before the, we started recording, but around some of the big brands that you're working with who are now, you know, taking you guys quite seriously and, and I think you're doing some consulting and things along those lines. Yeah, um, there's basically two main ways we make money. Um, on our platform, we're, we're obviously attracting lots of conscious shoppers who are using Good On You to, to find brands that match their values. Um, and we're sending traffic to a lot of those sustainable brands that we rate highly from, from our platform to their e-commerce site. Um, so... Very basically, we, we take a clip on referred sales and we have um, marketing memberships with some of the top-rated brands on our platform to, um, yeah, help them ra- raise awareness of their brand with our audience, help them amplify cool campaigns, help them tell their story with our audience who are wanting to find out about brands just like them. Um, and we use our rating system as, as almost a, a vetting uh, process to identify um, those brands that we would partner with. So we rate every brand before we market them and collaborate with them. Um, and those brands rated good or great, four out of five or five out of five um, qualify for yeah our, our affiliate network where we send them traffic, take a clip on that traffic of, that's uh, resulted in sales and um, have a membership really for um, for content marketing uh, packages mm, amazing. Um, yeah the the other side of, of um, our business model is where we are paying retailers especially large multi-brand retailers to rate their own portfolio of brands and give them access to our ratings so they can curate their own sustainable fashion ranges um, the biggest example of that is Farfetch, um, they're a global luxury retailer who um, just recently launched their Positively Conscious Edit, which is a selection of, of hundreds of brands, a section of their marketplace that promotes sustainable brands that are vetted and powered by Good On You ratings. Um, mm. Amazing. Is that on their website? It is on their website, Yeah. Wow. Um, locally, Afterpay actually just um, partnered with us and, and has launched a similar ethical fashion category on their own website where you can browse brands that have been rated good or great by Good On You. Amazing. So you guys consult to them in terms of how they would set that up or do they buy your um, technology or something like that? It's, um, so they pay a subscription or licensing fee to access our database of ratings and publish our ratings on their own site yeah. and then we also pay they also pay us a flat fee per new brand rating um, we've we've rated 3,000 brands so far um, so that's a valuable resource for lots of um, marketplaces and retailers um, but you know when you're talking about afterpay and farfetch they have 10 tens of thousands of brands on on their sites and so we're also able to um help them onboard new brands and and add to our database in the, in the meantime. 
Yeah, I mean, it's so amazing. Is I'm so intrigued by this. I think it's uh, so interesting because as a business coach, I'm sitting with people most days, concepting ideas and you know figuring out you know monetizing and you know I, I love that side of business. So it's a very smart ways of doing that, and I think you know it's got that twofold in that you're <clears throat> you're building this audience of people who are conscious shoppers and want to make these choices and then you're also you know um upskilling the brands and and you know calling them to a higher integrity as well you know yeah exactly and um i mean i've mentioned some really big players there that we partner with but i mean we love being able to partner with local or smaller emerging designers and fashion brands who I've got such an awesome story to tell and it's it's really challenging for them to um to reach audiences in competition with everything else that's going mm. on especially online um so you know we can really help because we've already got this high value market all in the one spot and um, for us it's easy to just be able to write content about about these brands and share that with our community who are really keen to hear about it. Mm. I think it's um it's so inspiring. I mean, Afterpay didn't exist five years ago when you started this, and you know who would have thought that in five years, you know, this big, you know, consumer brand is saying actually we need a an ethical edit <laughs> to us. You know, like that. It that's. Um, mm-hmm yeah heartening that that's the movement that we're moving towards the people are noticing these big brands are <laughs> yeah noticing, it, right? yeah it's become it's become a bit of a trend recently of large retailers launching a sustainable edit a conscious edit a, mm. a, you know, considered edit there's there's many different variations and um, yeah, I think that's again real testament to the consumer movement and mm-hmm. um, I think small brands and big brands stepping up. Yeah, and I think it's inspiring. Like, okay, just for business advice for people out there, you know, based on your story, it's like, you know, you guys got in the marketplace and you saw the need and you you acted quickly and you've evolved along the way. And I think something that I often tell people is like, you don't know what's, you know, what you're going to come across and how the world's going to evolve, you know, in five years from now. But if you're not in the game, you won't be ready, you know. And the perfect example is like I even just hearing your story now, I'm like, guys, this is such a brilliant idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Clearly, um, obviously, it's doing very well. Um, but interested to hear around whether you've had any haters from brands. I know this, I didn't put this on the question list, but um, just came to me then around have any brands or businesses been like not wanting to be rated or had any yeah. backlash from it? Because it's a bit exposing yeah. too, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, and um, because our approach is to rate every brand and not just the top ones, we, um, yeah, we score a lot of brands, one or two out of five, um, and so you can imagine those brands aren't too happy about that. Um, mm. And we've had um, smaller brands right through to some of the biggest names in fashion in Australia, the US, the UK, contact us. Mm-hmm. Um and often they're, you know, quite upset and they question how the hell can we assess them without formal engagement. Um, mm. But most of the time we're actually able to turn that conversation around into a really positive one because mm-hmm. we can explain our approach is um, is first and foremost about consumer advocacy and giving shoppers information that they're looking for but just in, a, in an easy way. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's why we're not engaging with brands, but we're collecting all of the public information that's out there about them, mm-hmm. and we're trying to help shoppers, yeah, understand that and engage with more sustainable options. Um, so, have you had public- have you had any brands like turn like you know make different choices or like done any turnarounds with 
from receiving a bad rating or or being brought to their attention that we know what you're up to. <laughs> Sorry, you cut out for a hot second there. Oh, no, it's the um, trusted NBN that um, (laughs) (laughs) hopefully um, that's, it looks like my internet's back on track, so hopefully. Okay, cool. Yeah, we were at the, uh, have you had any brands um, make changes, positive changes? Changes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And again, brands at both ends of the spectrum. So um, smaller brands that are are really actually committed to sustainability come to us asking for advice on all the different issues we look at and and what are some of the steps they can take to improve on our rating system. Um, We're also talking regularly to brands like H&M and Nike who now contact us when they've updated their sustainability policies and practices and um, and want us to review and update our rating as a result because they realise lots of people are coming to us to check in on how brands like that are performing. Mm, amazing. And I think I'd like to get into, um, you know, giving some of that uh, advice, but just something I think while it's relevant to this topic is you guys are very much a expert in the field now you know like you're a respected uh, you know platform that has this information where you do have brands like Farfetch and Knight coming to you um how did that come about like how do you go from you know this crowdfunded app to this respectable voice in this industry like what were some of the turning points and I know that you know um Emma Watson has come on and publicly endorses you. So what's, how did yeah. that happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, a bit of luck, um, <laughs> but also um, we, we only, uh, to go back to the, to the business model concept, I mean, that, that came much after our initial focus, which was all about building a community of followers that found our tools really useful. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's a bit of a risky approach because when you're not monetizing from day one, you do need to find other sources of funding and that can be quite time-consuming. Mm. But for us, there's no, good on you doesn't exist unless we have lots and lots of people using it um, to access lots and lots of brand ratings and, and for that network effect to to grow over time um, how did you go about collecting that audience how did you go about getting it out there and getting the 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 people who are interested in this information it's yeah it was a lot of um different things initially i mean we, we played a paid around with um, paid advertising in the early days um over time we realized our core strength was content creation and um, leveraging that for organic growth across social and um, web. So, you know, fast forward to today and SEO is our main um, driver of acquisition and um, and we've built a pretty solid community of social media followers that um, we leverage in, in all sorts of all, all parts of business. Mm. Um, but it, it did take time but we're really tapping into something that people were looking for so you know when when there's a real problem that you're solving for people it's just a matter of um reaching them somehow and that might work differently for different people you know we played around with with pr strategies um different social media campaigns um, different Mm. partnerships to build that early awareness and engagement but i guess Broadly, that was our focus. So rather than trying to sell to Farfetch from day one when nobody knew who we were and we didn't have a lot of um, that, yeah, we couldn't demonstrate the support of lots of people wanting to use us, um, we started with that one primary goal, that one focus of of Mm. user engagement and awareness across our platforms. Yeah and leveraging those, those different digital marketing channels to build that, that um, foundation. 
It's such um, it's such a good example of you know when you exactly that you have a genuine problem, and I think sometimes with startup creative, you know, uh, I get a bit like what, like what people are watching and following and listening, and and I get a bit blown away by how many people you know love the podcast or the social following and stuff. And but I think it's and I'm like I don't even know how I did this, <laughs> but I think you know it's like you you show up with an authentic voice that is what people are looking yes. to hear from and. And like the, there's just so much power in genuinely showing up with a, a solution for something that people really need and you're not just throwing something in their face for your yeah. benefit but because you're like, hey, I get you, I understand you, I am you and let's like we're here together. <laughs> exactly. It's a, you know, it's a real authentic connection and conversation with your audience. And I think you I probably did. started about the same time as I did because you've got about 160K on Instagram and, you know, like I think getting in the game, sometimes people ask me about growing social media and I'm like, well, I started five years ago before yes. social media got ruined. It, yeah, um, but, it didn't happen overnight and, no. um, and, yeah, social has changed a lot yeah, even just hearing you say some of those little strategies around um, Instagram, it was like I, I miss those days where if you just had good content and you put it on your social media, it would get seen. Mm. <laughs> you know, they were, it was so yes. much easier. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> um, so building the reputation with your consumers first and then I think the the other cool part example of that is that when when you do that from that really authentic place then that's when you know brands start to come to you yes exactly mm-hmm. and um the same was for for Emma Watson I mean we had almost joked a little bit internally about um getting Emma Watson on board as our ambassador because she was been such a great advocate for the sustainable fashion movement on the red carpet at the time and, um, and you know, was really speaking to our audience as well. Um, but then um, Emma Watson was invited by Vogue Australia to be the guest editor of their first um, sustainability issue or sustainable fashion issue and she reached out to us, her team reached out to us if we would collaborate and be the verification partner for the issue. Um, so a, a few other things had happened at the time. I, I had met one of um, her makeup consultants in the UK where I was working at the time. Um, so a, few, a few things had sort of lined up leading to that point, but it was, um, yeah, also really, really genuine in that she had heard of us and um, this invitation from an Australian um, magazine had prompted her to reach out and say, let's work on this together. Um, obviously, we said yes and we threw <laughs> everything at it and um, really, yeah, you know, t- tried to show both Vogue and, and Emma what we could contribute to that type of collaboration and um, use that as, as a, a launch pad to form a more um, ongoing relationship with with Emma, where she is now our official supporter. She's the face of our app and um, she uses Good On You as a benchmark for every fashion choice she makes, um, especially her latest shoot with K-Vogue, red carpet appearances, public appearances, um, even, you know, endorsements. um, We're regularly talking about um, brands working with and, and whether they at least meet a three out of five standard on the good on you rating system wow that is amazing like how incredible for to have such a powerhouse um back you and and not only back you but also like genuinely be a user of you your yeah product. yeah yeah we're so, we're so so grateful for her support and um, a post from Emma to announce her support definitely um, accelerated our Instagram followers. I think on that one day, it was still very early on for us, and on that wet one day we saw something like a doubling of Instagram followers. A doubling. Wow. I think we went from 30,000 to 60,000 that day. That's incredible. 
surprised yeah. Instagram didn't shut it down. <laughs> um, no, that's so amazing. She's a genuine influencer. Indeed. Yeah. So like, have you had coffee with her? <laughs> I have actually. Um, I, yeah, I've got after the, the Vogue collab, um, can't remember where I was exactly at the time. I, I spent a bit of time in Amsterdam on a program called Fashion for Good, an accelerator for startups in sustainability and fashion. And I think I ducked over to London at that time and organised to catch up with her team and they surprised me. Emma was there. Oh, we had wow. breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how she works with an amazing, yeah, I, I think it's a real um, testament to the type of person she is, the people she surrounds herself with. And I've just... Mm. Um, had such a great working relationship or relationship with with her team um, mm. and who, yeah, we work cl- really closely with today even. Amazing. And it's so, like, I think it's a, a beautiful example of, like, you know, do, just because you've had incredible success in your life, it doesn't mean you change who you are. You know, like, it, she seems very genuine and authentic to herself regardless of her growing status. Exactly. She's, uh, she came across as so modest and just really genuinely concerned about the same issues I am. And, the, and we know the people who use good on you are. She, she looked at me straight and said, you know, what would you do if you were made to tackle these issues? Um, mm. So, yeah, that genuine care was really, really great to see. Yeah, it's kind of where we started the conversation, right? Around if you've got yep. inf- like if you've got a platform, you've got to use it. Right. Awesome. So let's talk about. Um, I know I've quizzed you on a lot of things off topic, but I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> but let's um, let's get into. Um, maybe you can share with us maybe a, a few little fast facts about what is happening with the fashion industry and then yeah like maybe if you've got a handful of tips for those um you know what we can obviously download the app and and shop via there to get the full ratings but yeah what what sort of things should we be looking at as consumers and you know what these because I, I know like and I think what you guys are tackling is like there is a you know we're in this fast-paced consumer driven world like everyone is trying to make us buy all the time right so mm-hmm. if it does become very unconscious to click and get it and you know like you, you hear or like what even watching the social dilemma movie it's like there's ads are popping up when we're feeling vulnerable and like yeah. more likely to feed on us when you know we're going through a breakup or whatever it might be yeah. and you know it's people we should definitely be aware of that but so it, it takes a conscious decision to go what is behind this brand and I think education is the first point to that so yeah, tell us what's happening in on, in a bad sense for the fashion world so that we can kind of emotionally, well, I know for me, if I, if I know what's happening, I can emotionally connect to being like, I'm not going to contribute to that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit of a doom and gloom message. I think I mentioned in the beginning that fashion is one of the most polluting industries in the world. It's responsible for um, 10% of global greenhouse gas emissions and wow. when you think about how many industries are out there that it's it's huge that that mm. one one industry has such a big impact on climate change um, mm. and that's because of the manufacturing process but, but also even before that the sourcing of raw materials in in fashion and um had just how complex and convoluted those supply chains are before textiles make it into uh, manufacturing and then all the distribution that happens after a product has been produced um, sadly because of this culture of fast fashion which is basically brands producing more clothes more quick quickly and as cheaply as possible so we can buy more things mm. um, it's this it's this cycle that actually results in most of us buying um, garments we don't value as much anymore and, and actually throwing them away. I think mm. um, 
the stat in Australia is something like 500,000 tonnes of clothing ends <gasps> up in landfill every year. Every year. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And and we don't have the technology in place to recycle clothes that, that well at the moment. Very little recycling of textiles occurs in Australia today. So that means that once it goes to landfill, it just sits there forever. Just sits there, yeah, because a lot of clothes um, are, are made of blended fibre. I mean, many items of clothing are made from 100% synthetic fibres, which is essentially mm. plastic and doesn't decompose. It's not biodegradable. Even um, natural fibres are often blended these days or the thread and the zips and the buttons are um, are integrated in a way that, that means, um, yeah, the item is not only um, can't be recycled but, but can't be, um, when it does end up in landfill, won't biodegrade. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, that's and that's just touching the surface of some of the sustainability elements, even all the chemicals that are used in dyeing are really toxic and ending up in waterways um, when we wash our clothes that's also having a really big impact because little microplastics are ending up in waterways and in our oceans and, and killing ocean life um i heard something other- recently where they where they're finding microplastics in humans because it's yes. in the fish and we're eating it yeah yeah so it's still it's a fairly new phenomena and issue that's been unveiled in fashion. Um, and so, yeah, the, the findings are not there yet. Uh, there's There's been some concrete evidence of the impact on ocean life, the devastating impact on ocean life. But, um, mm. and, and some of these early examples of it also impacting human health. Um, the, the research is not yet conclusive, but, I mean, it makes sense. We're, we're eating... Um, we're eating seafood that um, mm. has been affected by ocean plastic and, and one driver of ocean plastic is microplastic shedding from synthetic clothes when we wash them. Wow. Um, I think the other thing for people to be really aware of is the human impacts of the fashion industry. Um, I think fashion employs around 80 million people globally, 85% of which are women, um, most of fashion production still occurs um, in China and, and Bangladesh um, where unfair treatment of workers, unsafe working conditions, um, well below living wage payments is still really common. Mm. Um, you know, people have actually died in factories that have fallen over um, when they were making clothes. Um, the average... Um, wage in in Bangladesh is around thirty cents an hour. Wow, you are really being taken advantage uh, of in these economies by some of the biggest fashion brands in the world. And that's what blows my mind. It's like thirty cents an hour, and then we walk in and pay five hundred dollars for something. <laughs> yeah, but but more and more we're walking in and buying five dollars. Yeah, and you have to ask the question. You know, someone's paying the price for that five-dollar t-shirt. If it's a real yeah. bargain for you, where where has the the corner, where have the corners been cut? Um, and it could be on the cotton fields. It could be in in the factory in Bangladesh. Um, and, and the solution is not to boycott countries or or um, uh, certain sources of. Of production because they create meaningful imp- important work mm. it's about from our perspective it's about holding brands accountable i mean don't outsource to um a supplier if you're not sure that they're protecting their workers and paying them fairly work with them to you know imp- protect people yeah actually i was chatting to laura from nagnata who runs a active wear brand I don't I know she hates calling it active wear but lifestyle brand um but I saw recently on her socials and we chatted about on her podcast around you know she um manufactures in China but she spent two years and I think like people are like oh made in China is horrible but there's she spent two years sourcing an ethical supply chain and making sure that was people paid right and set up well and um yeah, and recently I think she was 
revealing all of this through her socials and some frequently asked questions because I think people, you know, it, and this is part of the problem, right, which is why you guys exist is there's, you know, we hear all made in China and then instantly go, you know, it's cheap or whatever. But I think that's a good point around you can actually help clean up the industry. Yeah, yeah. It, it is that there are places that are, are sadly higher risk for human rights abuses, um, but fashion brands can play a, a really great role in, in these environments to, yeah, work with their suppliers and, and protect people, empower people to in, in earn a meaningful wage that can, you know, feed, feed back to their families and their communities. Mm. I mean, the, uh, it's intriguing to me, and maybe we won't go down there because I've had a lot of your time today. But how did that? In, how did this industry get, you know, so fast and so like? We're, and actually, I wrote about this a little bit in my book at the beginning around the industrial revolution and how you know we were we were makers and craft and, you know, we passed down our skill sets and we bartered in our villages and then the Industrial Revolution happened and I guess it's probably just money is the answer, I guess, of moving things to this faster pace and, you know, people expecting things cheaper and the newest yeah. and it's like it's such a vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah. At the, at the time, fast fashion, which was pioneered by, really Zara and H&M was quite revolutionary because mm. fashion used to be about quarterly seasons where you would you would wait to see what a brand would release and mm. um and Zara pioneered this idea of of weekly seasons based on what people wanted that week and being able wow. to turn that around and distribute that globally in such an efficient way that it was became admired by everybody else and fast forward to today even luxury brands and very traditional fashion houses are adopting similar practices mm. more and, and make more sales yeah money i actually watched the christian dior movie um a while back and but it was like um all of these that what's the style of fashion where it's very handmade tailored beautiful couture. dresses yeah the couture dress and it was that side of obviously where he started and it was actually really beautiful to watch mm. and these people mm. who were you know living in the Dior house and had you know had been there for years and there was their passion and like just the craft behind it which is you don't get to see as much yeah it does still exist though and you know lots of people in in the fashion industry are advocating the, the return to that slow fashion movement mm. Um, which, and yeah, it's a very beautiful thing, something that should be treasured. Mm. Do you think that COVID or have you noticed anything with COVID having an impact on slowing the fashion industry down? Well, it definitely exposed some of these massive issues that we, we're talking about where um, because of overproduction, because of fast fashion, there were literally huge piles of waste and made clothes, not waste, made mm. clothes that ended up as waste because nobody knew what to do with them. Um, and um, I think it's made a lot of fashion brands consider their practices because they're, um, they're not prepared for this type of um, incident or they don't have risks in play, risk management frameworks in place to deal with true shocks to the system and um, we the future is so uncertain now that that, that just won't stack up anymore. Mm. We've also seen even more people support causes like Good On You because COVID has made them even more conscious and worried about the future and wanting to support brands that are local, that are sustainable that are thinking about the future and not just making money for today. And, yeah, I mean, we, we've seen more, more people using Good On You, more people buying from sustainable brands than ever before this year. 
Mm. And I, I mean, it brings us back to where we started this conversation is that those brands only exist and can do what they do if we're playing into it. And COVID has meant that we were physically couldn't go into the shops and be in the trance state that they actually put you in <laughs> when you walk into yeah. a shopping centre with their lights and their music and their, you know, all the things. And because our trance got broken and we weren't walking into their shops and doing what, you know, like being doing what we always do, then they have to question. And so, you know, the whole concept around what you guys do is that when we choose to do something differently, then brands have to respond because we're the reason they exist. Exactly. Mm. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving this conversation. It's, um, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll wrap it up, but I would love to hear your um, tips for um, what, um, brands like let's say there's some people listening who might already have a fashion brand or perhaps have been looking to start one but what would be some of your you know absolutely go-tos in terms of um, producing that brand or maybe you know making it more sustainable what would some of your advice be um I think transparency do it. <laughs> and no I'm no I, I mean like we were talking about the Dior example fashion can be a, a really beautiful thing the craftsmanship that goes behind it and and the, the way it makes people feel good when they're wearing beautiful pieces um so you know this isn't about bashing fashion but on you it's not about bashing fashion we're about celebrating those brands that are doing good um mm. and yeah, transparency, I mean, not to use a technical term, but, um, you know, being being public about what you're doing is really important because how else can shoppers make informed choices? Um, and that might be a bit, um, you know, you, you might feel unsure about it when you're still making progress or, or you don't think you're doing everything well enough. But, um, yeah, I think it's really important to encourage brands and designers and makers to talk about how they're facing into their issues, however imperfectly, um, because it starts an important conversation and will make um, your customers engage with you on, on the things that they they do really care about. Um, in terms of more more specific things, I mean, our, our ratings consider those three pillars of people, planet and animals. Um, so from a people perspective, um, it's about how you're treating workers across the supply chain and, and thinking about the supply chain from the very beginning, the, the raw materials that you're sourcing and, and knowing that they're coming from a place that um, is, you know, protecting human rights, not um, being a high-risk environment for human rights abuses. Um, even creating a really simple code of conduct um, and and publishing that on your website so your suppliers know what it is and your customers do as well. Um, but relationships is, with your suppliers is really key to this, this people part, if you like, actually working with them, not against them, not squeezing them, but working with them to make sure um, everyone is is protected and, and empowered. Um, from a planet, environmental perspective, it's about... Um, materials mostly choosing materials can have a huge impact on all the other stuff that we look at on um, you know water use and chemical use and resource use a lot of that boils down to the materials that you're choosing um, yes natural materials is better than synthetic materials but it's a little bit more complex than that um, you know organic materials using certification schemes like the global organic textile standard um, or choosing alternatives to cotton things like linen and hemp um, that are more eco-friendly have huge impact um, thinking about packaging and also your energy sources transitioning to renewables um, some other things to consider um, and finally you know, when thinking about animals um, again it's about tracing your materials to their source um, ideally using um, materials that don't harm animals, maybe consider going vegan. But if um, that, that's not your choice, using recycled animal products or 
choosing animal products that avoid harmful practices, um, for instance, mulesing in, in wool production, um, and at least avoiding animal products that come from really exotic, non-domesticated animals where we know that um, harm and, and tr treatment to those animals in, in supply chains is, is, yeah, really, really detrimental to their welfare. Mm, amazing. Great tips. And I think, um, you know, what I, I take from that is like, and I actually just helped a coaching client um, who did, who's just launched her brand called Saint. Um, and she was really inspiring because she ca came from the fashion industry, but um, decided to do this label and has spent like a whole year just really investigating and sourcing and and hand making and things and I was like you know I think yeah avoid the fastness that can mm. be easily sucked into the world of business really and consumerism and take your time and do it well so that you know by the time and she just launched last week Danielle congratulations and mm. um, but her um you know to to know that when you launch you can put something on the shelves that you're proud of and that you know is you know going to be ethical and sustainable and and play your part with it yeah and it, it'll be something that lots of people can celebrate um it's it is look it is a minefield out there and, and doing all of the things that i've just rattled off i, I do appreciate that it's challenging um but i know that um it's it's important and that there are so many designers out there that, that are trying to get clarity on these things because just like shoppers that want to do something about it, designers do too. And so, mm. um, you know, supporting one another and, and trying to <laughs> unravel some of this um, complexity together I think will take us all a long way. Yeah. And it all starts with you. So it's like, you know, doing one step at a time and what you is in your circle of influence I think helps to stop some of the overwhelm, hey? Yeah, I think that's the message for brands, for fashion lovers. You know, it all, it all starts with us. So, um, yes, it's overwhelming. Yes, it's a lot. But small actions add up over time. And when we're all doing small things, that has huge power, huge impact. You never know. Emma Watson might waltz into your world and say she wants to back you. <laughs> Get in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for such an incredible conversation, sharing so many great insights from business to app building and monetizing and fashion and all the things. It was absolutely very inspiring conversation. Thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Kay. It was really nice to talk to you. Really, really, yeah, appreciate your time and interest and passion for to this too. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.